Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. Well, Soul City, it is so, so good to be with you. Those of you that are here in person, why don't you give yourselves a hand to our live worshiping church and those of you online. And some of you may know uh, I have been out the last few weeks uh, recovering from heart surgery. Um, A little bit of my story, uh, many of you know this, uh, I lost my dad and my brother both at very young ages and both were cardiac related losses. And uh, I've said here at Soul City before that all loss changes us, doesn't it? And so after doing lots and lots of tests and meeting with doctors, uh, they recommended that I make a permanent change uh, in my life. And I was encouraged to get what's called an SICD heart defibrillator. And one month ago today, uh, I had heart surgery and I received what I like to call my turbo heart. Um, And Proverbs 4.23, it took on a whole new meaning for me, which says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And so much um, of this decision for me was to do my part in allowing more and more and more and more and hopefully more love to flow from my heart for many, many years. Um, And so I'm so grateful for your love and for your prayers. I'm doing really well. Um, I'm thankful to be healthy and whole, to have my turbo-charged heart pumping in my chest that allows me to preach today and hopefully preach until I'm 102. That's my plan. So... uh, I like to now picture myself uh, as a lady Tony Stark. Um, uh, I kind of have now what I like to picture as an Iron Woman heart that will hopefully uh, just keep ticking for many more years. So I want to ask you, are you ready today? All right. I want to ask those of you that are worshiping with us online, are you ready? We can't hear you. Okay, so what you're going to do is you can just put a big old heart emoji in the chat so I know that you're ready. If you can find an iron heart, extra points for that. I have titled my sermon today, The Ingredients of a Miracle. The Ingredients of a Miracle, and Tamara Durvin is ready for it. The Ingredients of a Miracle, and I don't know about you, but when I think about ingredients, I think about recipes, and then I, of course, start thinking about cooking shows, uh, which I watched way too many of during quarantine, and today we are even going to uh, walk into a test kitchen as we look at the ingredients of a miracle. And, you know, as I was writing this, I was remembering back to an old Bible theology class that I took in college, and we were going through the Gospels, and we were studying the miracles of Jesus, and we got to that, you know, the biggest miracle of them all, the miracle of Jesus feeding the multitudes with just a a couple of fish and loaves of bread. And, And someone raised their hand, and they asked the professor, do you think... Miracles still happen. 
And I remember that moment in that, you know, stale, bland college classroom. I remember it so clearly. And what my classmate was asking some, you know, 20 years ago is a question that I think many of us have asked. Do miracles still happen? But if you have ever studied any psychology, you know that most psychologists believe that a question like that, do miracles still happen, is what's called a presenting question. Meaning, there's another question beneath the question. And when that student asked the professor, do miracles still happen? I believe what they were most likely really asking was do miracles still happen? happen for me? Do miracles still happen for me? And I think every one of us has had a moment, or maybe many moments, when we've asked that same question. Do miracles still happen in my life? Jesus, will they still happen for me? And that is what we're going to look at today. And we just heard Nathan, our incredible Soul City Kids pastor, read in Mark chapter 6 about one of the most well-known miracles of Jesus. And and that's what we're going to dig into today. So if you have your Bible, I want to ask you to go there uh, as we look at the ingredients of a miracle. And if you don't have your Bible, you can maybe open up uh, your favorite preferred Bible app. And this is a thick passage that we're going to walk through. So I hope you're ready. We're starting Mark 6 verse 30. This is what it says. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. Clearly these disciples, they were not from Chicago because we can always find time to eat in this city. Amen. And so Jesus said to them, they were, they were tired, they were hungry, come with me. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and let's go get some rest. So they did. They went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and they ran on foot with all the towns, uh, from all of the towns and they got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had what? What does the passage say? He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Now, as we make our way through this passage today, I want you to pay close attention to two things, okay? I want you to pay close attention to the behavior and the words of the disciples, and then I want you to pay close attention to the behavior and the words of Jesus. Now, and this story, this passage, tells us that the apostles were doing all kinds of things, that they then returned to their leader and their rabbi, Jesus, and they reported all that they had done. And the text tells us that they were so busy that they didn't have time to eat. So Jesus recognizes this. They need a little pause. They need a little rest. And he says, just come with me. You just come by yourselves. We're going to go find this quiet place. We're going to get some rest. They jump in a boat. They go to the other side of the lake. They pull away for a little downtime. And they thought they were alone. But when they got there, a large crowd had already formed. 
Now, look at the behavior of Jesus in this moment. It says that he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now, Jesus doesn't in that moment say, hey, thanks for coming, everybody. But listen, we're really hungry, okay? He he doesn't pause the moment. He doesn't say, hey, my disciples, they're exhausted. Can you come back tomorrow? He doesn't say, hey, listen, here's the thing. I haven't taught you about Sabbath yet, but this is my day off. Sorry, I, I got nothing for you today. It says Jesus had compassion. He had compassion on them. And his compassion led him to teach. Which if you, if you think about it, that's a very interesting behavior, isn't it? When it comes to showing compassion, compassion, of course, includes care, right? You think about someone that that has compassion, they would show care. Compassion, of course, includes action. Compassion, of course, includes social justice and righting wrongs. And yet the compassion that Jesus modeled at this moment, he began to teach them. And often... If compassion is not rooted in the teachings of Jesus, this is what I have found. It can become an empty or just self-righteous sentiment that does not bring about Holy Spirit transformation. And it's what I love about our compassion ministries here at this church. They're rooted, they're rooted in the teachings and the love of Jesus, our care ministry, our love works ministry, our house of hope ministry. They're rooted, they're rooted in Jesus. And at this moment, Jesus models care. He models love, he models hope as he begins to teach the people. So so the behavior of Jesus is one of compassion. But let's look at the disciples' behavior and what happens with them. Verse 35, it says, By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him and and said, This is a remote place, Jesus. I, I mean, it's already really late. Gosh, you know, here's what I think we should do, Lord. We just need to send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and the villages, and Lord, they can buy themselves something to eat. Amen, Lord? Amen, Lord? But, but Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. And they said, oh, Lord, you, you must not understand. Let's help, let's help fill you in here. See, that would take more than a year's wages. Uh, are we to go and spend? Lord, of course, you want us to be good stewards, right? Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five, uh, two fish. And earlier, I love this. It says that the disciples in the earlier text, they were the ones that were hungry. And they were the ones that never got any food. So now here they are in this huge crowd, and what does Jesus decide to do when the disciples go and get hangry? You know what hangry is? 
It's when you're so hungry, you're now angry, right? Ever been hangry? If you're not raising your hand in the studio audience, you're lying. We've all been hangry, right? Put it a, a big old hand up uh, on the chat if you've been hangry before. Jesus decides this is the perfect moment when his disciples are hangry, right? This is the perfect moment for me to show compassion. And I'm sure the hanger of the disciples did not go away then as they watched Jesus show his compassion. I imagine the disciples wanted that compassion to be shown to them. They were the ones that were working so hard that they didn't have time to eat. They were the ones that were so exhausted. So I, I love this moment. This is what the disciples do. Look at their behavior here. Look, look at their, their actions. So they go and ask Jesus on behalf of the crowd for what they want themselves. Right? Ever done that? disguise your desires and someone else's desires because you're afraid to really name your desire. Yeah. And Jesus, I love how he handles this. Jesus has this just beautiful moment as the disciples come to them and say, Lord, I mean these people. Lord, they're far from home. I mean, Lord, this could be dangerous. The restaurants are about to close. Uber Eats won't even deliver in this region. These people, Lord, they look hungry. They look exhausted. We need to send the people away. And what's so funny, what's so funny in this moment is the crowds never even say that they're hungry. It's never recorded in the passage that the people are hungry. And, and I love what Jesus does here. He sees through it all and he says, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And what's fantastic is Jesus, he didn't even ask him a question, right? But look at what the disciples do. They responded with all kinds of answers and excuses to the questions that Jesus never asked. They began to tell him why they could not do what he told them to do. Jesus, oh my gosh, oh, you must not understand. It's okay. It's okay. You're the Lord. You, you've got to do all kinds of things on behalf of your father. Let's fill you in. Jesus, listen, that would take half a year's salary. We don't have that kind of money. Surely you are mistaken. You don't want us to feed them. Jesus just literally ignores what they say. How many loaves do we have? And before they can even come up with an excuse, he says, go and see. Go and count it, which is a critical moment in the story. And it's a critical moment to every miracle Jesus has ever done. Because Jesus says, what do you have? What do you have? What do you have? Jesus wants to know what's already in your hands. What's available to you? How do you want to be a part of all that I am planning to do? And that is because Jesus uses what we already have to provide what we desperately need. Yeah. Jesus uses what we already have to provide what we desperately need. One of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh. 
my provider. And so often, God, the source, brings the provision in what he has already supplied. He brings it in what he has already supplied. But here's the thing. We get so fixated on what we can't see. We get so fixated on what we can't see that we forget about what we can see. We focus on what we don't have that we forget about what we do have. I know this has been so true in my own life in different seasons. God wants me to do something, and my first response is to come up with all the reasons why I can't do it. Maybe, maybe this has been true for you too. And, and you think about the scarcity. You think about what you don't have, what you can't see. And here's what I know about Jesus. Jesus always thinks about abundance. So often, God calls and our answer is, but God, but God, don't you see what's going on in my life? But God, don't you see all of my limitations? But God, you don't understand. I'm not smart enough to do those things that you're asking me to do. And he's like, but I'm God. (laughs) All of your but God's, uh, but I'm God. <laughs> and I think we think that, that maybe like, I don't know, God is in heaven and he's saying like, oh, oh no. <laughs> wow, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I forgot about all of that. Yeah, I, I forgot about all your limitations. Like he calls the angels around or something, right? And, and they have a little powwow up in heaven. They're like, listen, we forgot She's got a lot going on. You know, she's really been through a lot of things. I mean, we, we were all set up to do a miracle through her, but oh gosh, I mean, we totally overlooked. Wow, we, we missed our limitations. <laughs> oh gosh, maybe we called the wrong person. And this is often This is often how we talk to God. And you can see it in the disciples' answers. They say, we don't have much scarcity. This is all we have, Lord. Five loaves of bread, or three loaves of bread, two fish. No, I think it is five loaves of bread, two fish. And I love this moment because it says, then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And for those of us here in Chicago, green grass is that thing that's underneath the white (laughs) substance that is trying to melt. It is coming. It is coming. It is emerging. We name it and we claim it, right? (laughs) Verse 40, it says, so they sat down on the green grass in groups of hundreds and fifties taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. Jesus gave thanks and he broke the loaves. And then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples even picked up 12 basketfuls of broken leftover pieces of bread and fish. And the number of men who had eaten was 5,000. 
The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. And in that time in history, when they counted people, they only counted the men. So if, if you counted the women and the children, and since I was at one time a child and I am now a woman, I kind of am an advocate for counting all the people, because as far as I'm concerned, all the people always count. It's fascinating even that the other gospel accounts of this miracle tell us that the fish and the loaves, they came from one kid that would not have been counted to provide the miracle ingredients. I just want to say in this house today, for anyone that has ever thought, I don't know if I really matter, I don't know if I really count, it all counts to Jesus. It all counts to Jesus. In fact, scholars estimate that the number of people there that would have been fed with the five loaves and the two fishes is 20,000 people. 20,000 people. Listen, this is before paperless post. This is before Evites. This is before social media. And 20,000 people turned up to be fed and taught and experienced the compassion of their Messiah. That's a lot of people. It's been a long time since any of us have been in a crowd of 20,000 people. Like a year, right? And what I love about this moment, Jesus decides to organize the 20,000 people. Isn't this fascinating? He puts them down into groups on the green grass. He literally counts them off. He goes around and he's like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 47, 48, 49, 50. One, two, three, four. Can you imagine how long this would have taken? Can you imagine how long this would have taken? And Jesus got them in position to be able to see his power. He literally organized them on the grass to position them to see his power. And some of us are so desperate for the miracle. We're so desperate for the miracle. And I get that. I see you and I have been in that season and I know I will be in that season again. But part of recognizing the God of miracles is positioning yourself for the miracle. Yes, yes. And you may be in a season right now where God is just positioning you. He's positioning you for the miracle. He's preparing you. He's growing you. He's readying you. And it says Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish and he looked to heaven and he gave thanks. And what does it say he did? He broke the loaves. He broke the loaves open. Jesus blessed what would never be enough. Do you get that? Jesus blessed what in our sight and in our humanity would never be enough. He gave thanks for what was given. 
and he broke it open. And here's what's amazing. It did not multiply until it was broken. It did not multiply until it was broken. And as I was studying this and praying and writing this week, God took that one word, and it's like he, he just like erased the rest of the passage for a moment, and he took me to that one word, and he broke me open. And I know there are some of you that think that thing that has broken you, that it will bury you. That mistake in your past that divorce, that situation with your child, that addiction, that mess in your family, that thing that you wish would have been differently, those words that you didn't really mean, but now you can't take them back. Whatever it is that is breaking you open, I had a few of those myself this week. And I felt the Spirit of God whisper straight into my soul, blessings are often born in the brokenness. So often... That's where the blessings are born. They're born in the brokenness. And someone needs to hear this today. Someone worshiping with us online, you need to hear this. Someone listening to this podcast later, you need to hear this. Blessings are so often born in the brokenness. And with Jesus, our brokenness, it is never meant to break us. It's never meant to break us. It's always there to birth new blessings. And that may be the only thing that Jesus wants you to hear from this miracle story today. That your miracle is in knowing that your brokenness can birth a blessing. And the feeding of the multitudes then ends. It says in verse 45, immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat, go on ahead of him, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after leaving them, he went up to a mountainside to pray. Now, what's so fascinating is that lots of times, lots of times, people stop the sermon right here. And some of you are like, so is that what you're going to do? Because we're ready. We're ready. It's not what I'm going to do. I kept studying the text, and I kept reading, and I realized that the next words and the next miracle in the Gospel of Mark are actually critical to the miracle that we just heard about. You can't have the the feeding of the 20,000 without the next recorded words in the Gospel of Mark, and this is what it says. Later that night, the boat, the boat that Jesus told his disciples to go out into. The boat was in the middle of the lake. He was alone on the land. He saw the disciples were struggling. They were straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. Cue second miracle. And they thought he was a ghost. And they cried out. They cried out because they all saw him and they were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and he said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And isn't it amazing 
that Jesus decides to double down on his miracles within a 24-hour period of time. And the reason I felt so compelled to keep this part of the text in the sermon is if you remember, if you remember, it says that when they were done eating and they were all satisfied, it says Jesus told them to pick up all of the leftovers and it says they picked up 12, 12 basketfuls of broken bread and fish. Isn't it interesting that there's 12 disciples? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> 12 disciples, 12 leftover bags. Friends, I've been a follower of Jesus for like a few decades now. I've been a pastor a few decades now. It wasn't until this week that I noticed that. <laughs> I've read the text so many times, maybe even preached on it a few times. Takes me a minute. What that means, what that means is that each disciple would have taken their own personal leftover miracle with them onto the boat. Every one of them had a remnant of the miracle, a physical reminder of the God of miracles right there with them in their hands. And just a few hours later, even with that physical reminder in their hands, the text says that when the God of miracles came walking across the lake in the midst of another miracle, they were terrified. They were holding a leftover miracle in one hand while looking out at the water at another one. And yet they were still terrified. And Jesus said to them, take courage. It's I. It's I. You don't have to be afraid. And I love this. I love Jesus. Look at what it says he does. Then he climbed into the boat. He just climbed into the boat. Like 10 hours earlier, he fed 20,000 people. Just came walking across water. Eh, Climbed into the boat. Wind died down. And they were completely amazed. For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Other translations of this passage say they had not understood about the miracle because their hearts were hardened. And you know, it's easy to read this passage and think, gosh, I mean, those disciples, really, he should have picked 12 different people, right? I mean, how could they have missed it? How is it they spent all this time with Jesus? They traveled together, ate meals together. They just experienced Jesus feeding 20,000 people and they were still holding the leftover bags as he walked on water to them. Has that happened in your life? Not mine. And they thought he was a ghost. How could their hearts be hardened? And the reality of why it's important to connect these two miracles is because the disciples experienced the miracles of God, but they did not know the God of miracles. The disciples, do you hear what I'm saying in this? The disciples experienced 
the miracles of God. But they did not really know the God of miracles. And so many of us, we are just like the disciples. And when we face the realities of life, we only look at the storm. And we forget about the miraculous sack of food that we are still holding in our hands. And God is not interested in us just knowing about miracles. God doesn't want us to just be able to rattle off all the amazing things that he once did. God wants us to experience what he is doing in the here and the now because he is a God that still does miracles. And listen, I'm no miracle expert, okay? Clearly, I just figured out the whole 12 thing this last week. I'm no miracle expert. There's so much that I don't know. But as I look through the passage of Scripture... I see that there are some common threads to how God does miracles. And I would like to share them with you from my test kitchen here. Okay? There's some common themes. There are some common ingredients that are always used in miracles. The recipe of a miracle never changes. It's pretty simple actually. There's only two ingredients, and the ingredients are this. So, to have a miracle, this is my miracle bowl, okay? To have a miracle, you need two ingredients. First, you need God's ability. Secondly, you need your availability. From cover to cover, these are the only ingredients that I can see to a miracle, You need God's supernatural ability for there to be a miracle. And you need your availability. And the Holy Spirit gets us stirring. The Holy Spirit gets us stirring, friends. And these are the only ingredients that are needed for a miracle. God's ability, your availability. But here's what happens. We think, it's not happening fast enough. I'm going to bring along some extra ingredients. I'm going to spice this thing up. I mean, how many good recipes are there out there with just two ingredients? I think we need some more things, don't we? And we start adding in extra ingredients. I know I just need a little bit more faith. This is what I need. This is why the miracle isn't happening. I need some more faith. Or then we start thinking, oh gosh, I know what's wrong. I have not been praying enough. This is what is wrong. This is why the miracle is not happening. I need just some some more. Oh, you're not supposed to touch the ingredients. I just need some more prayer. If I add some more faith and I add some more prayer, definitely this is what's going to happen. And oh gosh, I mean, when was the last time I read my Bible? Oh man, I mean, I think I just opened it up the last time I was in a stressful situation. I know, I just need some more Bible. That's what I need. And you know what? Oh gosh, I don't know the last time that I gave any money to a good charity. 
I mean, I, I, I keep drinking all those Frappuccinos. I need to lay off the Frappuccinos. I just need to give some more money to a, to a good charity, you know? And if, it, if I bring these extra ingredients, then maybe the miracle will happen. And some of us think, I just need to bring some more of something. But others of us, we think it's less. I, I know the problem here. Lesson, lesson. I just need lesson in my life, but oh gosh, oh, so good. <laughs> it's so good, Lord, don't you understand? I mean, oh, I mean, really, mm, it's so good, it is so good. Or maybe for me, I mean, just some less doubt, you know, I just, I keep questioning. I keep wondering, you know, less doubt in my life. Or, or I know, it's just, my issue is with fear. If I just have less fear, if I have less fear, th this is what's going to bring the miracle into motion. And oh gosh, I know. Lord, please forgive me. Less mistakes. Oh, oh gosh, Lord, now I got the eggs and all of it in there. Oh, Lord, the shell is in there. Oh, gosh, how am I ever going to get my mistakes out? Lord, you're not going to do miracles because of all my mistakes. I mean, it's all mixed in there now. And friends, we think we've got to bring extra ingredients to the miracle. And the miracle has always and forever always been about God's ability and your availability. Those are the only ingredients to a miracle. It's the only thing. It's the only thing that, that Jesus is looking for. Your availability combined with his supernatural ability. You know, when we think it's all about the extra ingredients, what we start to do is we start to live like risk mitigation for a miracle. Like we have to provide God with some kind of miracle insurance plan. Th that our extra ingredients are, are some kind of miracle insurance plan. And we start taking up a management position for God as if the miracle is all about our ability. That the more or the less that you put into the bowl is what will make the miracle happen. And listen, a miracle is always impossible until it happens. Let me tell you that. A miracle is always impossible until it happens. And it always starts with the supernatural ability of God. And I fear that so many of us are only looking at our more or less than ingredients. We've stopped looking to the God of miracles, the God of the supernatural ability. And I think about, I think about when this, this church first started. There was God's ability and my availability. There was a handful of faithful men and women and I wish we had some fish and some loaves, but nothing. I would have loved some fish and some loaves. We didn't. And I look around and I see what God has done with God's supernatural ability and us coming with, with what we have in our hands and saying, this is what I have, God. And this last year, no one could have ever predicted all that would have happened 
global pandemic, an economic meltdown, a polarizing election, a long overdue racial reckoning. Those are just a few of the things that occurred on the global stage. And for many of us, this has been one of the most life-altering years you have lived through. Do you know, we haven't been physically together as a church for an entire year. Our last Sunday that we gathered as a church was Sunday, March 8th, 2020. That was 357 days ago, 51 weeks ago, 8,568 hours ago, not that I've counted. And here we are. And by the grace of God and his supernatural ability and, and our availability next Sunday, March 7th, 2021, first Sunday, we're gonna be able to open these doors safely. We get to relaunch this church and in so many ways, it feels like after a year like the year we just walked through, all we have is a few loaves and a few fish, doesn't it? <laughs> like, Lord, um, don't know if you've counted, there's just a few loaves here and just a couple of fish. And yet, I don't know about you, I don't know if I've ever felt more dependent. I don't know if I've ever felt more dependent on the supernatural ability of God. Because I feel like I got like a half a fish and a crumble of bread. And all we need all we need is God's ability and our availability. He's the source. And we get to be a part of bringing the supply. And we are a church that now has expanded walls and we're a local church with a global vision. And it's gonna take all of us to bring our half of fish and our crumble of bread. And but what none of us could have seen coming is that we now get to be a part of relaunching and rebuilding this church together. We get to bring whatever we have that is in our hands. We get to connect ourselves to one another, to connect as a local and a global community like never before, locally here in Chicago and globally online as we build our global campus. And I know, I know you have something it might just be a crumb, but you have something in your hands to bring. God's given you a gift, an ability, a passion, a dream, a way that God created you to serve or to give and to help people feel seen and loved, a passion for kids or for students, a love for doing justice and showing mercy, compassion for the hurting, a hunger to engage in prayer, a desire to get people connected in a small group or through Alpha, a passion for generosity or forgiving. And we want you to take what's in your hands only what's in your hands, what's available to you, and see a miracle occur. And it's going to take all of us. And so, because we're now a local and global church, we have to figure out how to locally bring and globally bring fish and loaves, right? So if you're new here or you've been here for like 10 years, we want to help everybody bring their fish and everybody bring their loaves.
to be a part of the miracle. And in this crazy new digital world that we all live in, we just said, okay, what's the simplest way for us to do this? Whether you are in Chicago or California, whether you are in Oak Park or Orlando, whether you live in Bucktown or you live in Brazil. So, so we wanna invite everyone, everyone to connect into the miracle that God is doing. And the simplest way that we figured out how to do that is to just have everybody use what we've all been using the last year, our digital devices, to just text in, hashtag connect, so that we can all bring our fish, we can all bring our loaves, and you can just text in, literally, hashtag connect to 31996. I bet Jesus wished he had that when he counted out the 20,000 way back when, right? And we're gonna just send you a link to go to our Connect webpage. And, and once the service is over, either online or, or in person, if you're here worshiping with us, we're gonna have these Connect meetups. If you're here, you're gonna you know, do that in the gallery. If you're watching online, there's gonna be a link that you can literally hit or a text or a chat for you to go to our Connect webpage. We're gonna get you connected so that you can play a part in bringing what you have your hands. And this is a way to be a part of the mission of this church, to experience community and growth and, and taking what God has given to you, taking your availability and being a part of the miracles. What I know about me, I am going to assume about you. We all need a desperate, a desperate reminder that the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit is moving. That there is a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit that does the mixing, friends. That the God of miracles is on the move. That what happened 2,000 years ago with a few loaves and a couple of fish, it can still happen today, amen? amen. It can still happen today, amen? that a miracle can happen again in this church, that a miracle can happen in your life. And I know there are many of us that need a fresh wind to blow, a fresh fragrance from heaven. We need the spirit of God to be poured out. And I wanna invite you to just receive that this morning. So if you're here in our live studio uh, space where we're worshiping together, I just wanna invite you to stand right now and if you're worshiping with us online, I wanna invite you to take whatever posture is best for you. And maybe for you, it's just opening up your hands to signify, I'm available, Lord. I'm available. This is all I got. I gotta crumble. I got the, the tiny fin of a fish, Lord, that's all I got. But it's yours. And so Jesus, you are, you are the source. You are the supernatural. You are the one that is capable. You are above all, Jesus. And we come with what we have. We come with our availability. We come with our supply. We come with what's in our hands. And we ask that you would take your ability, God, your power, your strength, your miraculous move, and you would take our availability and you would do it again, God. You'd do it again. You'd do it again.
you would bring about miracles. And we pray for a special anointing and covering and protection over your church, over this church, over your people, Jesus. Would you pour your spirit out, we pray. And it's in the name of the God of miracles that we pray. And all God's people said, amen.